I'm Steph Hansen, faculty at Iowa State University. And I'm Mary Janowski, faculty at the University of Nebraska. When we started our faculty positions, we quickly realized how important mentoring can be to the success of our graduate students and our programs. Using the principles of community, communication, and curiosity, we'll give you actionable tips to become a better graduate student mentor based on what we've learned during our mentoring journey. We've We've made the mistakes. So you don't have to, because mentoring matters. Hello, mentors, and welcome to the Mentoring Matters podcast. It's uh, soon to be the start of the fall semester, and uh, we thought we'd uh, get going again on our podcast. We did get to take a nice vacation over the summer, and I will say uh, it was much needed. We hadn't had an opportunity to really check out and be able to uh, get rejuvenated. And I'll say, I can tell you, I felt a lot better after our vacation. And I think it's a good idea to remember that too for your students to encourage them to be thinking about work-life balance and helping them know that you really do think it's important and uh, give them that flexibility to take some time off when they need it. Yeah, absolutely. We could definitely tell that we were reaching the point where we needed to get away for a while and um, ended up being gone for a couple of weeks hiking in Colorado and Wyoming together. This episode, we're kind of referring to it as phraseology. And the concept behind this episode is how often when we're dealing with graduate students, would it just be nice to have some of those go-to phrases that you can just always have in your back pocket to respond to some different situations. And that's kind of the idea here of getting you some things that you can have in your back pocket to have kind of be that gut check reaction when certain situations happen. So without further ado, here are 10 phrases we think are useful when mentoring graduate students. So we've grouped these into five categories. And first, the all-important critical thinking. Yeah, that's something that's extremely important for our graduate students to develop those skills now uh, because, you know, that's something that, of course, employers are always looking for is critical thinking skills, and it's something that makes their life and our life a lot easier if they have them. Absolutely. Okay, Mary, do you want to get us started with number one? Well, yeah, number one is what do you think? Students come all the time with a challenge or a problem, and oftentimes they come to you seeking the answer. And I think having them realize that you want them to have thought through the possibilities, the potential solutions, the potential pitfalls of each of those solutions, as well as the benefits, so you can have a discussion about it and come to a conclusion is really, really beneficial. So the next time a student comes to you with a problem, first thing you should ask them is, well, what do you think? And I don't think this is a way of saying, well, I don't have to answer this question for you, kid. Go figure it out yourself. So it's not necessarily, you need to go learn it through the school of hard knocks. It's more just saying, I'm not always going to be here to give you the answers. So I want to help you learn these important skill set of basically self-soothing, right? Like you need to be able to troubleshoot some of your own things. And I'm here to listen to you and we can, you know, be your sounding board for these ideas and we can work that out together. But I want to know that you've done a little thinking about this problem before you come to my office with it. And 
that's one of the things I really praise in a student when they come to me and say, I've got this problem, but I've thought about it. And I think it's this, I think it's a pipette issue. I think it's, and you can look at it and you can walk through it with them and be like, yeah, I think that's a really good hypothesis. Like, how are we going to test that? Or nope, I've had this problem before. It's not that it's actually this. And it's okay that you didn't know that I've done it before. Yeah. I think, I think the big thing is it opens a conversation rather than a, a chance for you to dictate, this is what you need to go do. Because honestly, they don't learn why you came up with that idea or that dictation. Um, so they're, it's not nearly as big of a learning experience if they haven't given it some thought and you don't have a conversation about it. So it's, it's really a good opening to get that conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. And I have seen a lot faster growth in students when I have remembered, we talked about this at the end of last season, right? Keep your mouth shut. This is related to that point. And that is, you know, don't just give them the answers because you're actually not doing them any favors. Okay. Number two, under critical thinking here, what did you expect? Maybe this would be, what did you expect to find? Uh, How often have you had a student visit with you and say, I did this, this assay. It's the first time we've done it in the lab group or whatever. And I don't know if it's right or wrong. And you want to be like, did you look in the literature to see if there was expected values? Um, So I think that's an important habit to get them to be thinking about is like, what did you expect to find? I know you were talking, Mary, about like, well, you did this research project. What was your hypothesis? Is, is your, are your findings what you expected to find? And it's, it's okay if they are, and it's okay if they aren't, but you need to have done some thinking about, you know, is it what you expected at all? Yeah, especially because regardless of what it is, if it's not what you expected to happen, then that's always a good double check, right? So then if I find something, it's like, oh, those data don't look at all what I would have expected. Almost always, you know, I'm like, okay, we need to go back and look at X, Y, or Z because this isn't what I expected. Most of the time that helps us find problems, right? Sometimes that's the answer. It, it really, really is that. But helping those students ask the question of what do I expect then can allow them to actually uh, catch a lot of mistakes beforehand. I think this is another growth marker for graduate students. The more experienced students will come in and say, this is what I saw and this is what the literature tells me I should have seen. So I know I have a problem because they're not the same or I think I'm on the right track, but can you walk through my math with me or, or whatever the question is. It's just one more thing that's moving them towards that independent scientist kind of stage. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, if they come in with the, here's what I expected and I didn't get that, then that opens up the opportunity to use phrase number one. So what do you think's happening? <laughs> um, so, you know, again, these are really great things to keep conversations going, help with that learning experience. Um, I think it makes life so much better. Yeah, absolutely. Communication is key, right? Yeah. So number three is what have you read lately for students when they come in? One of the first things that I go through is a mutual expectations document. And one of the things that's on there is about they have to be self-learning and they have to engage in self-learning and reading is a huge part of that. And having conversations about what they've read in the literature and what they're learning to help hold them accountable for that, I think is really, really valuable also I don't have a chance to learn uh, and read as much as they should. And so I get to learn from them. Uh, So I really like, what have you read lately? 
because it helps kind of hold them accountable to do that self-learning, helps them move forward. And I get to learn something along the way, which, hey, I'm a nerd. So uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here laughing because we were just looking at our Clifton strengths yesterday. And we're going to talk about some personality tests and preference tests in this season. And uh, we're, we both have learner in there. And I said the fact that we both have um, like Instagram and Twitter handles that have the word nerd in them means that obviously we have learner in our Clifton strengths top 10. What have you read lately is one of those questions that I make a constant um, opening go around question in my group grad meetings. So they know that they're expected to come to that meeting and going to be able to give a succinct, this is something interesting that I've read lately. And it doesn't have to be in their field. Sometimes it's really fun when it's, you know, some brand new stem cell thing that was in nature last week, right? Like it could be anything. So the, what have you read lately? As many times as you can reiterate that, they are going to pick up that, gee, I think I should be reading because she keeps asking me about this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think the other part of that is um, it lends your, it lends you the opportunity to follow up and help them to start understanding how to read the literature because you can start asking those probing questions. And so you can start guiding them through the reading process and the working through like, what are the key things that I should be thinking about when I'm reading a paper? All right. Last one here in our critical thinking subcategory is what challenges are you facing in your project right now? And there's some different ways to, to ask this. Actually, when we were brainstorming this question, I first threw it out as something about what scares you right now about your project. And, you know, I think that there's different ways you could phrase this, but the gist is basically giving your student the opportunity to say, thank you for asking. I don't know how to do this assay and I am putting off everything in my project until I can figure out how to do this assay because hands up, that's what it usually is for my group. It's like all progress is ground to a halt. And if I just would have said, you know, what's happening here, you know, what's scaring you about the project, it would be so much easier because I can work through with them on how to do the assay or figure out how to help them move forward. Or I can just give them a deadline and be like, well, kid, figure it out by next Friday. You know, and that's going to depend on the student, right, which tact I would take. Or even just being able to reassure them that, yeah, I understand that is scary. Like, I, you know, I remember not knowing how to do something and you're going to have to figure it out. Maybe we both don't know how to do it, right? I, I don't have any sage advice for them. So you're going to do trial and error. You're going to make mistakes and giving them that it's okay to, to not do something correctly the first time will help them feel okay to get started because it's like, I don't want to mess up. And sometimes you're just going to have to mess up. Right. It's, <laughs> on, it's only a mistake if you didn't learn from it. So although the mistakes with thousand dollar assay kits, like let's minimize those. But. Right. Well, let's have a conversation <laughs> so we can minimize them. Okay. So the, the next category is what we call the growth mindset. And I think the last question that we just talked about really leads in well into that because it's they're here to learn, right? And reminding them they're here to learn is extremely important. So when they say, I don't know how, you say yet. So I think uh, helping them remember that uh, they are here to learn and that they're not an imposter. I think trying to to reassure them that uh, just because they don't know how to do something doesn't mean they don't belong and that they can't learn how to do it. I think there's a couple of important concepts here. One of them is 
this, I don't know how dot, dot, dot yet um, concept actually comes from um, one of the faculty focus articles that um, one of my teaching mentors has shared with us in the past. And my students actually for a while had printed out the word yet and just had it like pasted up on the wall basically above the door, right? And so every time it was like, I don't know how to run that asset yet, or I don't know how to run those stats yet, you know, and just getting into that mindset of like, it's, it's okay that I don't know that yet, because that's why I'm here. I'm here to learn. I think the other thing is, especially as we get further and further from our time in graduate school, we forget that we weren't born knowing how to run statistics or how to write a good technical paper, all these other things. And so it's very important to remind ourselves that they're in the early in the process. They're just learning you know, they don't know all of these things yet. And you took time to, to get there to that knowledge too. A couple of other notes I had written down was, you know, they don't know yet how to be writers. And so helping them understand, you know, this concept of the crappy first draft, that it's not beautiful prose on the first go around, right? You got to get that million bad words out before you can start writing the million good words. And that's true of all disciplines. Yeah, um, I, I think for that, I think it's really important to continue to remind them of that idea that just because you're providing them edits, uh, just because they didn't get it right the first time, doesn't mean they have failed. It's only a failure if they quit. And I think it's really, really important because I feel like a lot of my students, they get sometimes get very frustrated because they, they think, well, geez, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a very good job. Well, how in the world are you supposed to learn without trying and making some mistakes and learning as you go? So our next category is um, what we're calling student well-being. And the question is just kind of a check-in question and just how are you doing? And this could be more challenging for some faculty, right, who may feel less comfortable with this. But it's, it's really important, guys. It's really important to ask this question. It's important to help your students understand that it's a safe environment to ask this question in, that you're going to listen to them, that you hear them. And if you're like me and you have a short-term memory for things, right, like make sure you keep notes on things and you, you come back and follow up. And I know, Mary, this is something that you know, I think is one of the strengths that you have with working with your graduate students is, is having that follow up and, and maintaining that kind of relationship, for lack of a better term, just, you know, helping students kind of check in. Yeah, I think I think it's important for multiple reasons, one of which is it helps you to understand where they're coming from. It helps you to set reasonable expectations. I mean, sometimes we get frustrated and and it's because they're not making progress in something, but there's some other reason that this question really helps you to understand more of what they have going on in their life. And the only way this question is effective is if they see that it's clearly something that is important to you. And so, as you said, you know, taking notes so you can follow up if you can't remember, um, but also uh, ask more questions, you know, continue to, to uh, dive down in when they tell you something and, and do help them understand that their life is important to you and that you really do care and you want to help them uh, do the best that they can. So if there's something going on in their personal life, you're going to understand and you're going to be able to, to modify how you're going to approach something so that they can actually accomplish their goals. I think is really, really important. 
So didn't you read maybe like a, a coaching book or something recently? And I, one of the things I remember you telling me about it was like, you basically have to ask the same thing multiple times because the first time is like, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Okay. And then, and then you can, I honestly, I was trying to remember, I think it's called the coaching habit was the book I was reading. It actually suggested you needed to ask the same question three times right. to get an answer. So it was, it was really about whatever their response is. So it was just like following up again and getting a little bit deeper each time so that you have a better idea of, of what's really happening, what's going on. And I do think that's true. I will tell you, I feel like a lot of times when I ask something like, how are you doing? The first response is usually fairly shallow. But then if I ask a follow-up to whatever they said, or if I remember from last time something was going on and I, and I follow up on that thing, then, they, then it's like they tend to dive a little bit deeper into what's going on this time and, and this week in their life, so to speak. And so I agree. I, I never really thought about it from the how are you doing standpoint. But yeah, it's really easy to go, oh yeah, everything's fine. Or, you know, I'm tired or, you know, not really tell somebody what's happening. I think that's another example of the communication thing right so it was like I gave you a chance I gave you a second chance I gave you a third chance as a mentor I'm demonstrating how much I care about you and giving them all the opportunity in the world to open up to you so you can find if there's a root cause to something or to say I'm good because they're not a person who wants to share and that's that's cool too that's okay too yeah exactly but uh, the question about how are you doing um, if if there's somebody who doesn't want to share about their personal life they're likely going to focus on their program and, and that's okay. That in, you can, in your meeting. Yeah. In your meeting. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to focus on the answer is going to be focused on their program. Right. Exactly. And so that's fine. Then you focus on their program with them and let them be comfortable wherever they're at in terms of what they want to share. Okay. So the, the fourth grouping is maintaining momentum. And so, this one's a little bit different take on how are you doing? It's what's on your mind. And I think this one does lend itself to the answer more related to their program. I always ask my students at the beginning of our individual meetings, what's on your mind or what do you have on the agenda today? And I let them lead the conversation, let them set the agenda I also have my list, right? My things, but having them be able to be the one to, to really prioritize what things they think are most important, again, helps them feel heard and allows them uh, to open up to you and tell you what's going on so that they can make forward progress. If you can help them overcome a barrier or even help them just prioritize I've got all of these things to do. Which one do I do first? Like you guys get to talk through it and decide a good plan of attack. And usually that gives them more confidence to go out and get her done. I think it's also an opportunity sometimes to see when your student and you, your, your um, priorities are not the same. Yeah. So when they only talk about one thing and you're like, what about that thing that's due next week that we haven't talked about in three weeks, that can be a really good opportunity to make sure that your priorities are aligned. <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. Our next question, um, our number eight phrase here is what questions do you have? And this actually harkens back again to some of my um, teaching uh, mentor 
that we're actually going to hear from this season, this is how she ends class. Instead of saying any questions or are there any questions, which just by the phrase itself is very dismissive and says, I'm ready to leave. Let's be done with class. This question of what questions do you have? It is amazing when I started ending seminars and lectures with what questions do you have? Suddenly I had questions. It's like it invites students to actually ask questions. And I think if we can be in the habit of when we have our interactions with our postdocs and our grad students, and you end the session by saying, what questions do you have? It's a really open, honest, I'm here for you. How, how can I help you here? What, what questions do you have? Yeah, I, I think what questions do you have? It can even be a great way to, to open a meeting, especially like your individual meetings that are regular, because again, it's, it's giving them the opportunity to, to be able to say, this is something that was important or a priority for me. And, and this is where I'm struggling. And it's a, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's, it's an invitation to ask a question from a student who didn't want to look dumb or was afraid to ask the question, or maybe didn't even realize that they should be asking the question of you. And so I think that's a good invitation too. Yeah. And group meetings is probably the best part of group meetings is, uh, when the students start asking questions. And so again, it really does kind of flip the script and and help to help encourage them to actually ask the questions in front of their peers. Last one, maintaining momentum is what do you need from me or or how can uh, I help? I think, again, opening things up as I really do care and I wanna help you. This is the point where they get to tell you, hey, if, you could do this, I could make so much more progress. Or sometimes it's really silly things like there's shortage of a beaker in the lab that's causing them not to be able to get nearly as much done because the time it takes to wash uh, that beaker results in their productivity being, you know, half the time frame. And it's like, oh, 40 bucks, I can, yeah, I can definitely get that beaker for you. And now, you know, productivity amazingly increases and you're like wow this is great you know this is this is the best 40 bucks I ever spent but if they don't have the opportunity to tell you that or don't feel like you want to know it they probably aren't going to tell you I think this is one as Mary says that is really a hundred percent benefit from the mentor perspective because that student is now going to come to you when they need the little things that will improve efficiency right and make everything go faster but they also now know that you're the person, you know, that they can come to if I just need to talk through what questions I'm going to be asking at this interview I'm going to next week, which is hopefully stuff they're doing anyway. But it's amazing sometimes when you give them permission to start to do some of these things, how you'll see that behavior change in them. And you'll start to see more consistently, they're coming to you for help and not in a, can you do this for me way, but in a, I recognize you're a resource I should be using. Yeah, I used to uh, be somewhat frustrated by how infrequently students would come to me to like even help them think through, oh, I have an interview here. Let's just have a conversation and see uh, what insights I might have for them as things to be thinking through or questions that uh, they may want to be prepared for or questions they may want to prepare to ask. And the more times you say, you know, what do you need from me or how can I help you? especially when they tell you about things that are happening in their life, uh, then it opens up again. I'm willing to have these conversations. I really do care. I really do want to help. And uh, it helps with the relationship. 
it helps ultimately with their success. This is another one that could be useful if you have a student who gets into a family situation, you know, they, maybe they need to be gone for a while because of a death in the family or because of um, some other thing that's really kind of unexpectedly occurred. And, you know, again, just like, what do you need from me gives them the opportunity or how can I help gives them the opportunity to say, if I could just work my hours at a different time than normal, if I could do this thing differently, if we could flip priority A and priority B on my to-do list. And, you know, hopefully some of those things are things you could do, but just the fact that you're, they're going to be so grateful that you're listening to them and you're willing to work with them. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good example of this one. Okay. Our last category here has the amazing title of conflict resolution. So how often have you just been hurt by something a grad student did or said or mad at them or frustrated? Frustrated is probably the most common interaction, right? When we're thinking about negative things. So the next time you feel like that, I want you to have this mantra running in the back of your head. And that is this concept of seek first to understand. And so the phrase for this is, help me understand why this happened. This is another example from my teaching mentor. I have historically had a short temper. My temper is better every year that I get older. That's something that happens with maturity, right? Um, but Mary has a lot longer views than I do. Well, I'm I my my top uh, strength finder is harmony. Yeah, I hate ridiculous. I hate <laughs> conflict. And so I am much less likely to point out when I'm frustrated with a student or frustrated about something and asking help me to understand why allows me to point out something that I feel like, you know, maybe there's a deficit here or something that is frustrating to me without it being a conflict. It's actually, okay, let's have a conversation about this and let's see how we can move forward. Um, so I really like this one as somebody who really likes harmony because I really, really, really hate conflict. Yeah. I don't, I don't love conflict, but uh, you know, if somebody does something and I'll be like, what the heck? Like, you know, you just want to be like, why did you do that right on the spot? And instead this phrase is to make you think, okay, there's some reason why they did that. Right. Like if they blew a deadline, you need to understand the underlying reason why that student or that postdoc blew the deadline. Because once you understand the why, and you need to get them to share that with you. Once you understand the why, you can either develop a prevention plan so that it never happens again, or you can develop some modification of your current plan. Maybe there was something, where, so communication a lot, right? It's like, well, I didn't get this done because I was doing all these other things. And it's like, okay, we just need to talk about what your priorities are then, right? And make sure again, our priorities are aligned. Or the whole reason this story happened was because I had a student in the class who was really disrespectful. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I am not going to let this stand. And I just told her, I need to see you tomorrow before our next class period. And I talked to my mentor and she was like, just find out if there was something going on with that student. If that was out of character for them, don't jump down their throat immediately and be like, why were you being a jerk in class? Hey, I just wanted to see if everything was okay with you. Right? So remember, that you care deeply about the professional development and growth of your students. And if you can keep that in mind, you know, because it turns out that student had a bad thing happen before class and she carried it into class with her and she just had a chip on her shoulder and she took it out on me. And she was so apologetic when we had our meeting and she felt so bad. 
And, you know, I knew that was out of character, right? And instead of just being like mad about it right away, I was still mad about it, but instead of showing her how bad I was, it was like, let's talk about it. And that was absolutely the right thing to do because I could have really hurt that student if I jumped on her right away after class and been like, what are you doing? You know, I probably would have had a kid in tears in the hallway because of what had happened to her before class, right? So just seeking first to understand and then figuring out how you can move forward. Um, again, when the students feel safe with you, right? And they're willing to say, this is, this is my mental state right now. This is the thing that is happening. Um, this is why that happened. One, they, you know, just the fact that you cared enough to say, why did this happen, right? That is gonna build you so much goodwill with that student and that's really important. But I think, yeah, just constantly coming back to this idea of seek first to understand. And that really was the concept that kind of drove the creation of this episode, which is how often, especially for new, new faculty mentors, um, would you just feel more comfortable getting into sticky situations if you kind of knew the words that you'd like to have be the first words out of your mouth <laughs> uh, in those situations? Exactly. All right, so uh, thanks for joining us today. And um, again, we just wanna remind you how much we would love to hear from you um, and about your experiences. So uh, the show's also on YouTube and the link is in the show notes. Use the comments section there to give your thoughts on the question of the week and any other feedback or questions that you have about graduate mentoring. We're excited to jump into some of that stuff this semester. So as a reminder, kind of our question this week is, what phrases have you found helpful to guide your interactions with your students? Yeah, and I would say you could also follow us on Twitter at MentorsGrad. So if you have uh, comments or thoughts and you'd like to give us a shout out on Twitter, we'd uh, love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time.